0: Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer, Susan Slesser, and today we have a Feldies Follies edition of the podcast. David Feldman joins me to talk about some very exciting developments in A's land, including the team's recent play, Matt Chapman's all-star selection by his peers, and the looming debut of Jesus Lizardo, plus a big international signing. All of that next on A's Plus. It's time for the Feldy Follies podcast on A's+. Plus. We welcome in David Feldman, our friend. We haven't talked to you for, uh, gosh, almost three weeks, it seems like, David. What uh, What is kind of uppermost in your mi- mind right now with the A's getting close to the All-Star break? I guess maybe we should start with Matt Chapman uh, making the All-Star team on the players vote, which is really nice to see.
1: It is. It is. It's, it's you know, somebody who's deserving, uh, who earned it. Obviously, him and Alex Bregman are the two best third basemen in the American League. And with Bregman winning the popular vote and Chapman winning the player's vote, it's perfect. It's exactly how it should be, and that's how the system's supposed to work. And what I like about it is, you know, know, being a fan of the A's for my whole life, uh, we used to, the All-Star game, we used to always just hope for that one representative, right? The guy they would just – because every team had to have one. And that's how Wayne Gross gets to be an All-Star, or Jeff Newman – or Bill Cottle gets to be an all star. Justin Dukeshire twice. Ryan, <laughs> Justin Dukeshire twice. Ryan Cook was an all star. Um, it's just nice that this is a deserving all star um, who, you know, had a little bit of a dip, right? In May, they were worried his offense he, he was not good. He was going into a slump. He made adjustments. And now you're talking about a guy just over halfway in the season with 21 bombs. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's on pace to hit 40 home runs, and he's hitting at a high average, OPS over 900. Oh yeah, and he's the best defender in baseball. That's a pretty good combination.
0: Yeah, very very deserving. I mean, I think we were we were all thinking it was going to be Frankie Montas, obviously. The suspension changed that. Um I I guess now, you know, it's possible had Montas been available, um Diaz might have had two since Chapman got the player vote. Um but I would I would find it hard to imagine, you know, I, a little unclear now who picks the pitchers and the reserves if it's the manager or the manager plus mlb or if it's just mlb but i can't imagine had he not been suspended that uh, montas would have been left out of the equation just with the season he was having um so that's nice a little bit of a's recognition and and very nice that chapman gets in on the player vote um what else? We've got the trade deadline coming up this month, too. Uh, we've touched on this a little bit before, the the fact that the A's typically, uh, certainly last year, went for relievers. When I talked to David Force last week, he suggested that might be the route they go again for a lot of reasons, cost, and also, you know, this year, more than last, need.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. You look at how this roster is formed, position players are pretty well set. Um, the start, The starting pitching... Is okay. I still think if there was a starting pitcher out there that they can look at and they can acquire, I think they, they would kick the tires on that because, you know, I'm not sold on Daniel Magden. Um, I think there are, you know, Brett Anderson has been healthy so far. He has not missed a start. Uh, it would be, uh, almost a miracle if he goes through the whole year healthy. It just, it hasn't happened. The last time he made 31 starts in a year was 2015. Um, so I think they they got to think a little bit with depth in that way. Um, so I think they will look if there's a starter available. Uh, again, somebody that's not going to cost them a lot as far as players. But bullpen would definitely be where um, the bones would be made, uh, always adding to that, right? Um, as we saw last year, any you can shorten the game um, with strong relievers at the end, um, the better you're off. Now, Liam Hendricks has been terrific. Um, you know, Blake Trine is on his way back, and we hope that he can get his form that he had last year. Um, you know, Trevino is still a work in process; um, not quite there yet. Uh, he's he's he pitched in Anaheim and uh, didn't get a lot of help from his defense, but he still he wasn't as sharp as we like him to be. Um, but you figure that eventually he will find it. I just I think he's a good pitcher. I think there is that talent there that he can find it. So you can shorten the game that way, but never heard seven of a left-hander. Um, and they'll be on the lookout for any of these guys. I don't see them acquiring a position player. I think they're pretty well set with how their team lines up.
0: Yeah, it's funny. You know, at the start of the season, we wanted have said, hey, maybe, maybe they'll be on the lookout for a catcher. But um, the, the A's make a move uh, this week with Chris Herman coming off the injured list. Uh, they send Bo Taylor back to Las Vegas. You know, Bo Taylor v- did very well. Um, the good thing is the A's know they have him either if there's underperformance Uh, Or an injury, uh, and I suspect we might see him back uh, at some point. Certainly, um, depending on how Chris Herman does. Frankly, uh, he is coming off a pretty severe knee injury. It was an arthroscopic repair to the knee, uh, but I'm told that, especially for a catcher, this was not not a great injury. There, there's not a lot left, I think, in that one knee for him. So, uh, of course, we hope that he's back at full health, and we hope that he's. He's performing well for the A's, but they know what they have in Bo Taylor. He fits in very well. He works really well with the starting pitchers who love him. Uh, but the Chris Herman was out of options. I think the A's, more than anything, would like to get a look at him, see what they have in him, see what he's got now coming off that knee injury. And if they need to make a move, they can. And, and I suspect at some point that they that's something that they'll consider. How do you see things?
1: Yeah, pretty much exactly that way. You have him. Um, you just don't want to let him go he's, to he's, go. he's out of options. You'd have to DFA him if you don't activate him. So um, activate him, uh, give him some playing time, and see what you have. I think they are they have to be thrilled with Bo Taylor, what, what he did. He just fit in so well, right, just not as, you know, he hit a couple big home runs, he caught the ball well, but just as a teammate, yeah. um, he just really felt on this vibe on this team. So I think they feel real confident that, hey, if Chris Herman doesn't work out, um, we have someone who can fill in, um, but we have to see what we what we have in Chris Herman. You, you know, somebody did hit ten home runs last year uh, for the Diamondbacks. Um, might have a little bit more of a power stroke. Uh, you just got to see. Yeah. Um, it's never good with catchers and knees. That's not a good combination. You know, they tend to squat a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know that, but it takes the knee to do that. Apparently,
0: so, I, re- I recall this it, from my own catching days.
1: <laughs> so you know, no catcher with no knees is no good.
0: Yes. Uh yeah, you know what? I they the A's are convinced that Chris Herman will hit. Uh it's not something he's done a lot at the big league level, uh except for one year. I think they they've extrapolated that. Um and I, I'm interested too. I would like to see because certainly, you know, they had some other options including bringing back Jonathan Lucroy and, and uh they went with Herman. Uh, you know, a little bit of a potentially a cheaper option and and younger but uh, I, I think we'll, we'll, it will be interesting to see what happens there but I gotta say Bo Taylor especially from the catching side uh, and just kind of the story we've, we've t- touched on this before but you know he, he had the drug suspension a few years ago for Adderall he has made no excuses for that but apologized uh, and did all the right things you know when he was suspended he went to extended spring training he was the first person at the ballpark every day he was the last person to leave he volunteered for every bit of extra work worked with lots the young pitchers and the pitchers there loved him and i think he really turned himself into a pitcher's catcher there which tells you a lot and the coaching staff was blown away by his dedication and what he did to really kind of turn him, himself around that's why they re-signed him as a minor league catcher and why he came back uh you know i think everybody kind of grew to appreciate each other through uh you know something that's probably not a lot of fun for a player and he's he uh, has said he he you know I did it, and I regret it. It was stupid. It was dumb. Uh, but he used that in a positive way, and guys love pitching to him. And you could see the results were there. He's also delightful. So you're right. He's very good in the clubhouse. He's always smiling. He's very optimistic, very upbeat, um, just a really nice piece. So the A's know they have that in their back pocket. So, uh, uh, And speaking of things that the A's have, probably sooner rather than later, Jesus Lizardo, I think as soon as the All-Star breaks over, uh, I think we could see, you know, there there is a day off. I think they could maybe go through the rotation sort of once and a half without a fifth starter if they wanted to. Uh, but I suspect that we will see Jesus Lizardo um, pretty soon after the break. That uh, all signs are pointing to that, and that is going to be one of the more exciting debuts uh, in A's memory with with the build up and what we've seen during the spring and just the the sheer promise. Uh, and what the A's need, really, without uh, Montas now, uh, I think that's going to be a really great way to open the second half for the A's. Yeah, it is exciting. I was trying to think of, you know, whose
1: debut, especially mid-season
0: debut that we are really excited about. And I go back to
1: 2003 and Rich Harden, right, because we heard about Harden um, starting in 2002, and this is a flamethrower, and he's going to come up. He's he's uh, He's not a big guy, but he blows guys away, and the – the hype that we had around him was huge. And then he came up in Kansas City in his debut and pitched great. And uh, it really does give a, a huge bolt to the team. It's like adding somebody, right? It's like acquiring somebody off the trade, somebody you had not um, had. You know, Rich Harden, uh, I always felt that if there was any way he could have stayed healthy through his career, he would have been a fantastic pitcher. His problem, I always thought, he was so finely tuned, like a Ferrari, yes. that when any little thing was off, he would just he had to shut him down. Yeah. He had to go in the shop.
0: Yeah, he uh, was almost but, in too good a shape. And I, you know, you heard yeah. managers and coaches talk about this. Sometimes you take that with a grain of salt, right? Like too many muscles. That's like an old, very old school baseball way. All these pitchers shouldn't be lifting weights. But Harden really was. He was in such good condition. Um, I think you're right. Like, he, it almost made him more prone to little things because he, like, honestly, I'm convinced he had more muscles than other people because he was constantly pulling muscles no one had ever heard of. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he was just, he would have been, I think he could have been really at, like a multi-time all-star had he stayed healthy.
1: Yeah, and it, it was during those years, because uh, he also had Joe Blanton on the team, yeah. uh, <laughs> and he funny. came up with a great line like Joe, why, why don't you ever get hurt? And Joe says, you can't
0: pull fat. Can't pull fat. Yep. I remember Ken Maka would, would mention kind of the difference in uh, availability and body type every now and then. And, you know, so, it wasn't wrong. So no. One, no. Of them, one of them had but a lot I, longer career than the other one. So I guess the the moral is, let yourself go a little.
1: Yeah. Everybody look like Rick Russell. We'll all be fine. Uh but Lazardo does not look like that. He it is, is a top-flight athlete.
0: <laughs> yes, I mean everybody does, really. Now, for the most part, you know, I think <laughs> yeah. I just, the money in the game has kind of changed the work ethic on some guys, and I think the uh, the lifestyle. But yeah, I mean, they're getting a essentially a, a dominating left-hander, a young dominating left-hander that that will be. I mean, that's they're and they're playing well now. I know you. You kind of have a theory now about this team and and where they might be headed. Lay lay it on us.
1: All right. So this is my 97-win theory. Um, uh, As we know, last year the A's won 97 games. But going back to when the uh, Major League started the wild card, uh, first full season of it was actually 95. It came in in 94, but obviously the strike, but 95. No team that has won 97 games has failed to make the postseason. And that's either with one wild card or two wild cards. You win 97 games, you go to the postseason. I also feel like this year uh, for the A's to reach the postseason with the competition that they're against, they're going to need to win 97 games. All right? So how do you do that? Well, right now the A's are 46 and 39, so you have 77 games left. And as we have talked about all years, it's about winning series, um, winning two out of three. And if the A's win two out of every three games the rest of the way, that will give them 51 wins of the 77 games, which will total with the 46 they already have of 97. So it really is a win two out of three. And and that's at simplifying it. I also look at it as weeks. So, like, this week the A's have a, a six-game week. You go four and two. Um, you know, however it takes, go four and two. And the A's have been really consistent lately. If you look back, over the last couple of weeks, of doing that, yeah. of winning at least two out of every three. They've, the only hiccup was this, this series against Seattle, and Seattle has been a hiccup this year. The A's are 4-6 against them. Um, you know, they still have to make up for their 0-6 against Toronto, which I really, you hope doesn't come back to bite them, but it really could, because everybody else is beating up on Toronto. Um, and then they got to find a way to win some Houston games, 1-7 and seven against Houston. But going through this, in the next... 77 games, you win two out of three, you win 51, you win 97, you're going to the postseason.
0: It's a big ask.
1: It is. It's not going to be easy. It's not like last year where really it was the Yankees, A's, and Rays battling for that the two wild card spots. Um, this year, because Minnesota is so good, Cleveland is still very good, so you're going to have to deal with them. Texas is playing above their heads. I think we all agree, but you can't discount them. They keep winning. Um, so they're going to be involved in this. The Red Sox, um, yeah, they look terrible in London. It was That was a joke, and their bullpen is a joke, but they're still the Red Sox. Um, they're going to have to deal with them, and you're going to have to deal with the Rays and the Yankees as well. So really isn't a case where the A's, if you're looking at the postseason, you got you want the Yankees and the Twins, except for the Twins against the A's this week, uh, to win all their games, to be division winners with a huge league, um, because you don't want to have to deal with them as well in this whole wild-card mix. Um, But it's going to be interesting to watch going down the stretch because there are definitely more teams involved. You still have some really bad teams in the American League. The Kansas City Royals come to mind. The A's already done with the Orioles. Um, The A's still get more against Detroit. Uh, They had the White Sox, who, again, are playing better uh, than we've seen this year. But I tend to think that's going to fall off a little bit. Um, Even though they're only three games under, their run differential is minus 69. So they should come back to the mean and start losing more than they win. But it's, it's just all these teams involved. I think it's, it's 97 wins is going to be the minimum it takes to make the post even.
0: Now, remember with the um, hard trade deadline of July 31st, teams are going to have to decide earlier, really, whether they're in or out. And because there is this weird trend now of sort of, you know, t- tanking is a harsh word, and I'm going to try not to use it. But there are going to be some teams that I think decide that they are sellers rather than buyers sooner. Uh, and that could change the complexion of things, too. The A's could be facing some teams that have traded their best players uh, or some teams that were already very good that have suddenly added, say, an ace or a dominant closer, something like that. So, you know, the rich could be getting richer and the poor a whole lot poorer sooner this year. And it's going to be, a, you know, depending on the A's strength of schedule and when they they uh, are facing teams, uh, that could that could have a big, big impact. Uh, and, you know, along with, as we kind of mentioned earlier, if the A's improve their own bullpen, because really, you know, you talk about that going 0-6 against Toronto, a lot of that was the bullpen. So uh, a better bullpen, you know, the A's might might have that ability to win two out of three, uh, et cetera, a little bit more easily. So that's going to be interesting. Now looking much further down the line, uh, this is the week of international uh signings and the A's pulled off a big coup. We've been expecting it really for uh you know the last 5 or 6 months. I think it's been clear that the A's were going to get Robert Poisson, a uh, shortstop who has uh, I think people might remember uh 2 years ago the Brave he was part of the that big haul of prospects that the Braves were not allowed to sign because of a lot- some irregularities by a former executive who was banned from the game as a result. Uh Poisson was 14 at that time, he's now 16, uh, and, you know, the the reports are just off the charts. It, I like the fact that the A's have really been going for it internationally. You know, a couple of years ago with Lazarito Armenteros, you know, they they basically spent their maximum and uh, have been restricted in their spending interna- internationally the last couple of years as a result. This year they had their uh, full budget again, and they went big. And uh, this is, this is a, a guy everyone wanted which tells you a lot, uh, you know, they've been savvy. And here in the next few years, we're going to start to see some of these guys, you know, potentially at the big league level. So uh, it's, it, it's an area that really after the A's signed Miguel Tejada, Ramon Hernandez, some guys like that, there was a kind of a gap where they were not pursuing international guys, except with the exception of Michael Linoa, uh, for a long time, not the top, top guys. And now they are. And I think that's a good thing.
1: Uh, Yeah, there's no downside to this. And a kid, and I mean a kid, he's 16, and Poisson, um, you know how how he grows and what happens. But if he is so highly thought of, and he was so highly thought of that he was going to sign when he was 14, um, there's something there. Uh, Now scouts do a really good job of projecting, of looking at a kid who's who's that young and figuring out what they're going to be and what they could be and also looking at other guys who look great at 14 and 15 and realizing there's not a lot there in the future that they are going to top out. Um, it's very unappreciated art. Um, Scouting in general out, is
0: underappreciated these days.
1: Yeah, very much so. There's something about the eyeball test and, and, and seeing things. Um, so this is great um, to get a, such a highly touted player. Uh, somebody who everybody agrees is going to, to be a major league player at some point. Um, It's a great pool of talent, the international players, to to go and scout and do them on your own. They're not subject to the draft at this time. So you can go and make an offer and bring in these guys and find hidden gems that nobody else did. They'll be fun to watch. Again, this is somebody you probably will not see in the major leagues for four or five years or any of these guys. But uh, once you do and you look back, you know, hey, that was a really good signing. So it's, it's exciting Again, if if you're a fan of watching uh, young prospects and watching them through the minors and seeing how they go, this is definitely one to keep your eye on.
0: Yeah, big shout out to Dan Feinstein, um, Billy Owens, Steve Sharp, all the A's executives who are going out and seeing these guys internationally. And, of course, all their international people, Raymond Abreu, everyone else in in all the Latin American countries and the uh, Dominican and Puerto Rico everywhere the A's have eyeballs uh, they've they've really upped that a notch and I, I think that's fantastic uh, the, the commitment to Latin America is the best it's been since probably that Miguel Tejada era and and um, before that so that's exciting Um, it's some it's some fun stuff I think there there's a lot right now about the A's to be interested in playing well Chapman an all-star Lizardo uh, probably just on the verge of being called up and um, the Robert Poisson news this week very good stuff to talk about David Feldman thanks as always for joining us on A's plus we will check back with you within the next week or so all right thank you our thanks again to David Feldman for joining us today David is an official scorer and stats expert who appears regularly on A's plus our producers today were King Kaufman and Libby Coleman we will be back soon With more A's Plus, thanks for listening. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the Editor-in-Chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter, at Susan Slusser. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at SanFranciscoChronicle.com slash subscribe.